0: You're listening to the 405 Exchange Podcast. My name is Ken Grandpierre, and today's episode is with Brittany Brave. Brittany is someone that I've known for quite some time now, a lot of years actually, uh, particularly from working in music. Uh, she used to be a music publicist, and I say used to because now she is a comedian. Though if in this talk we go into how that's something that she always had it in her to be, something that she always figured that she would arrive to, at least the element of performing and expressing herself, which is a major touchstone with her comedy. This was something that was really great to be part of and really great to make, because, you know, with with these talks, we do strive to do more than just talk to musicians, though we do love musicians. We do really want to, like, go into different areas and different career paths that people take, especially the ones that might seem quite unorthodox, and yeah, this is one of those where it hit me that I don't think we get to hear this perspective quite often, to be quite frank. The the perspective of a female comedian, especially one that is, you know, working hard and climbing the ranks. So yeah, let's go into it. This is the 405 Exchange with Brittany Brave. Enjoy. So I usually start off episodes this way with musicians, but obviously the context here is a bit different. Mm -hmm. But yeah, when did comedy start for you?
1: Oh, man. When did comedy start for me? You know, I slipped on a banana peel. (laughs) 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 And the rest is history. No. uh, I don't know if I know like a concrete date of when I had this big aha moment that I was a comedian or that I liked comedy a lot. Um, but I it's probably from as like far back as I can remember just uh, loving laughter a little bit more than everybody else and my family's very funny and always just being a jokester and being around jokesters um and then like I did so much comedy in middle school and high school just like improv and theater and make, and being the class clown and making people laugh but you're too young to realize it on an existential level yeah. so I don't think I was like I'm a comedian like I was just like <laughs> slinging jokes on the playground or always doing funny voices and characters Um. so I guess that's two part. like comedy has been I don't have a date when I really realized comedy and had a comedy epiphany but
0: It was like kind of that thing that was always around you. Because what's interesting Mm -hmm. is that we grew up pretty much similar times throughout um, the 90s. And I find it uh, uh, interesting because obviously we grew up with a lot of comedy and TV and movies. Yes. And you would see stand-up portrayed in movies, but you wouldn't really see stand-up that much unless you sought it out. Yes. I guess when when did stand-up enter your
1: life? Truly in the last year, which is bananas. That is crazy to me. It is crazy to me as well, too. I mean, I always was aware of what stand-up was. Like, oh. if you told me, I was like, oh, yeah, the one person on stage telling jokes who's miserable with their life. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, th- that guy. Um, but for someone who was involved and in, was doing improv and sketch and theater and loved comedy, stand-up as its own medium uh, was something I never touched. I didn't even touch it with a wow. 10-foot pole. Yeah. And um, I, I think I, in, in living life and discovering new parts of myself <laughs> and my inner self and you know whatever I I just ended up producing comedy or talking about things that the only medium where it would make sense was stand-up wow. so that's when I was like oh yeah stand-up and then it unlocked this whole part of entertainment and comedy that I was like yeah i never cared for i never went to go see comics wow. i never yeah i just got my comedy through like other other means
0: so tell me this like yeah, yeah. since it's like since it's like a relatively fresh means of discovery mm-hmm. did you find yourself devouring some of like the classic stands up like richard Pryor or like, uh, Eddie Murphy, like those kind of old school bits that people probably referenced all the time.
1: Yeah, I did. And actually so my dad is a very big stand-up and, and comedy fan, and, yeah. and he's a geek with pop culture in so many ways. He's like, um, I always tell I, I tell him he's like the lid on a can of Snapple. Because he just <laughs> yeah. is always, he he's,
0: those he's
1: like, did you know, tigers sleep with one eye open? <laughs> you know, and I'm like, okay, dad. Uh, he's a vault. He's cool. But he was, there. so I actually did grow up watching Prior, Carlin, um, all Eddie Murphy, all those guys. But again, for whatever reason, the medium of stand-up flew over my head. Yeah. Or it didn't call to me as much as any one four-year-old watching George Carlin could be called on. Yeah,
0: because there is a level of like, especially with like the comedy greats, there mm. is a level of like, to appreciate it, you do have to live life a little and then you could like match the context of what you know of existing along with what they're saying. Like it's like, their insight offers context how we even live our own lives in a lot of ways
1: yeah you do yeah and it's, that's what, it's it is funny for me and I'm very envious of people who started stand up when they were like 15, 16 or in college because I wasn't doing it then yeah. um, but I also there's a, there's a part of me that's like um, what would I have talked about back then I don't know Yeah,
0: because what you talk about in college like getting high and making it off your boyfriend in a dorm room
1: yeah and or your parents
0: not sending a hundred bucks when they were supposed to. yeah
1: are you like not being able to find a push-up bra that fits and all the other girls are wearing one and you're not there yet yeah. um yeah. no um it's so I mean I do think I lived life enough and had some things happen and then that's when stand-up felt It was a calling for
0: me. You know, I'm, like, I was going to bring this up later in the talk, and I still am, but I kind of want to bring up something in regards to what we're talking about now. Mm -hmm. Because I love stand-up, and I grew up with it a little bit. And Mm. obviously getting older made me appreciate it so much more. I'm really fascinated to hear you, because I didn't know that with you, that Mm -hmm. you kind of found yourself kind of recognizing it more later on. When you hear, like, a Richard Pryor bit, or, like, an Eddie Murphy bit, like, when you did start hearing those, like, pay attention to them, I mean, what was what was that element like for you in the context of funny because obviously the way society is now people are a lot more sensitive and things are a lot more triggering Mm. and back then such a different context so it's Mm -hmm. like when you would hear like a classic eddie murphy bit how would you find yourself reacting to
1: it like when i was younger you mean
0: or like in the last year or so
1: oh in the last year or so i pick it apart and i analyze it and i look at it from like what that comic had to go through or how they experienced it and yeah. i can see in real time the i just went through something and how i internally process it and then how i prepare it for a stage setting yeah. um so i look at it now like under under the most meticulous microscope
0: so you don't that. you don't look at it through a, a reaction of like having an emotional societal reaction some
1: not really i mean i still will like i'll still belly laugh at those bits and yeah, and i I'm and sure. now i all i do is watch and consume yeah. and do stand up comedy but I yeah I do look at I think I think earlier on when I heard stand up comics I was just like that guy's funny that's funny that's yeah and I I just it it didn't it, like it just didn't register and but now when I hear it I'm like that's brilliant yeah. and then I find ways to mirror it not only in my own comedy but mirror it in like oh I do see, I see that now thirty years later in in day to day life
0: I love what you just said about understanding what they went through because um, I can't remember if it was raw or delirious but like in one of those
1: I was just talking about raw. Were Yeah. You? yeah. It, does so Ra- good. Is
0: Ra the one that starts out with him talking about fucking Brooke Shields?
1: I think so. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> what I love so much about that is like,
0: you listen to it now, it is so fucking crass, misogynistic mm-hmm. get <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> but when you consider the times, the fact that this famous black man is openly talking about how he wants to have sex with a white woman, mm-hmm. like at the time, that's like a groundbreaking thing.
1: Thing, mm-hmm. yeah. Um- yeah, and I think comedy, more than any of the other art forms, is the the most direct reflection of what's going on in the world today, and what you can because it's people. It's on a on a humane and meticulous level. It's just people. And every night when you go up on stage and you suss out the mood of a crowd, what you're really looking for is what do these people want to hear, what yeah. do they need to hear, you know, what are they not going to want to hear? Yeah. Like it's really funny how like even um, like like rape jokes, which. I I have yet to really hear one that's funny.
0: Uh, I was going to ask you. And one good, and we'll
1: you know we'll get into that kind of controversial material, but um, I mean even older comics touch on that, and it would get roars of laughter. And obviously if you bring material like that to college campuses, you know you'll you'll have your mic cut, or you'll be pulled off stage, right. or like you know you'll be booed by a crowd. Um, and that's just like a great, a little bit sensational example of how comedy is the most direct uh non-diluted straight raw reflection of what everyone else is talking about and those are the most successful comedians too this is what everyone else is talking about what everyone else needs to hear Yeah. kind of thing
0: yeah so tell me this like because something that really intrigues me about the aspect of comedy Mm. is that like well stand-up particular is that like with being around musicians all the ways i have I could kind of understand the neurosis of like seeing a band on stage or someone with like a microphone performing mm-hmm. and feeling like, "Wow, I want to do that because of the level of like exertion mm-hmm. and kind of being like fix on that. Mm-hmm. but it's interesting with stand-up how it's like you have to take your time and like how you have to like contemplate obviously the element of laughter is really um uh, infectious but I guess I'm what I'm trying to say is like what was it about stand-up that made you want to try it? I mean you kind of alluded to it before but was it about that specific medium like the function of it made you go like I want to do that?
1: It's I started to have things to say and I thought it was a direct fast pass into influencing people um, for the better hopefully you know and bringing them joy i thought it was the quickest way to make somebody laugh and i thought it was the most real and authentic way to make somebody laugh so there was something it was like peeling back a curtain on the human existence and and doing so by like i can't speak for other like and i don't in my comedy i don't speak for I try not to speak too much for men. I, I don't speak for people of color. I don't speak for trans. I'm not any of those things, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I only, I can only speak to my experience, but hopefully my experience can unpack one part of the greater human experience yeah. and bring us together. And it's yeah. also that common ground. There really is so much shit that divides people. I always say comedy is like a resounding Me Too. Like yeah. not to call them the Me Too movement, but in a way like when a group of people laugh at something you say on stage, they're essentially saying, yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah, like, I've been there. I'm with you, you know, so. Yeah.
0: You know, that really intrigues me because I think one of the very, um, I'm trying to think of how I want to word this. I think one of the mainstays of why there's so much friction between men and women in regards to such cliche stereotypes and cliche ideas, mm-hmm. as I think in some fashions, speaking from the men's side in general, I mean, mm-hmm. some men almost see it as though like women are like these completely different forms of existence that mm. they can't relate to. Mm-hmm. And when I think about comedy and what women are able to achieve with comedy, it's almost like looking man in the face and saying like, hey, I'm a human and I have a similar experience to it, even though my gender is different. Yeah. Do you find that to be? Yeah, that is
1: a powerful thing. And um, it's it, it also powerful as well, too, because it is a game that is Predominantly a boys' club, or and it, I don't, I'm not making that up. That's just, it's how it's been. Um, You know, if you watch Maisel, if you watch anything else. um, And I think even just women alone doing stand up comedy and succeeding at stand up comedy is a way to show other men that they're either sharing the stage with or other men in the room that like we're actually not different. Like he's doing the same thing I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah, we're both human, we're both comedians, and I'm gonna tell you a story and you're gonna realize you can relate to it it has nothing to do with what's in your pants like you can you could just relate
0: to it well not to like gram too much about what's in the pants but something that I find <laughs> really fascinating is like what what's I think in th- th-
1: this episode is going to be
0: called <laughs> what's, in what's in the pants <laughs> <laughs> what I think about like female comedians that I like like Eliza I oh she that is
1: that. my all time
0: I love her. How do you pronounce her last name? Schlesinger. Yeah. Something that fascinates me about her is how a lot of her comedy is like the bluntness of like having sex and like what the experience is like. Mm -hmm. I think it's so interesting how so many guys find that shocking and like almost like pervasive. Meanwhile, they have sex with women. It's almost like there's such a disconnect Mm -hmm. of men recognizing the woman viewpoint of that activity.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They're (laughs) Welcome to dating. (laughs) Yeah, I, I, it's. I feel like as if every, every man I've had a relationship with has just bird boxed himself throughout the entire thing. It's kind of like
0: guys going like, whoa, you're like part of this too.
1: Yeah, yeah, like yeah, I, Well, yeah. In order for us to have sex, another I had to be there. Yeah, <laughs> I was uh, one half of that equation. So, um, yeah, it is. And I, what I love about her is, a she does it in a in a brilliant way. I mean, it's. She talks about sex but it's on a higher level. It's not it's not crude. It's not yeah. dirty and filthy. It's on a cerebral level. Yeah,
0: it's simple almost. but she's also deconstructing at the same time, which is a very difficult thing to do.
1: Very, very difficult. And in the ways in which she's empowering the d- Comedy, empowering the stand-up community, and also like shattering a lot of these stigmas around female comedians and whatnot. Is she calls men out on their shit just as much as she calls women out on their shit? Or I guess I should have said that opposite. She calls women yes. out just as much as she calls men out. Like, yeah, which is very like interesting. women, she you do this, but men, you do this. And men, I know you do this, but this is what it's like for women, and it's it's pretty balanced and fair. It's
0: really fucking cool. Yeah. So I mean, jumping back to performing, can you tell me when uh, what your first ever performance was like? Do you remember what that was like for
1: I do. And I, I guess you're talking like stand up, right?
0: Yeah, like stand up performance. Okay, because
1: my first ever performance that I remember was um, standing up in my high chair, and <laughs> I think I started throwing mashed potatoes across my my parents' condo in Miami.
0: Well, That's uh, one hell of a first performance. Yeah, and, and,
1: and reciting baby poetry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and that's when my parents were like, "This kid's got
0: it," you know. Um, sign her uh, up for America's X party Sign on her up, <laughs>
1: like not to brag, but our kid's a star. Um, <laughs> No, my first standard performance, I mean, I don't really count open mics because uh, that's just a part of the process. You don't
0: count open mics.
1: No, I don't. Well, because you're, for me, I don't. I'm sure every comic has their own opinion and they can go fuck themselves, but (laughs) (laughs) a lot of them can go fuck themselves, Um, but including me. Yeah. It's not, for me, it's not a performance as, as someone who's trying to be a comedian and produce comedy for the masses. Mm-hmm. No offense to other comics. I don't give a fuck what you think of me or my comedy because you are not going to buy tickets to my show. You are a comedian, so you're on the inside of the process. You know, you're in on it, in yeah. a sense. You know what I mean? Like, a, a villain doesn't a villain doesn't care what another villain thinks of it or a superhero doesn't care what another superhero thinks I don't think Superman's like hey what's Batman doing over there I guess we
0: should provide a little bit of context because like people might be unfamiliar with with most open mics most of the audience would be just the other comedians who are waiting to perform so I guess you're meaning in that context for the most
1: part yeah or you're like an innocent innocent restaurant goer who's having terrible (laughs) comedy being forced upon you (laughs) and it'll cause indigestion later on well I
0: guess I guess where my not confusion but I guess where my point of intrigue is in regards to what you're saying is like obviously it's not the same level of performance as you know performing at a venue and people paid but I guess I, I'm almost a little stunted because like that element of getting up on a stage and you know getting in front of people isn't that also the same like, maybe
1: okay so maybe I have an interesting yes you you are correct in assuming that like on a molecular level those two things are the same but it's like I might possibly have a different uh, point of view on it because I love to you, you're going to. yeah I um... Because I've performed my whole life, not stand up specifically. So for me when I first did an open mic, it didn't yeah. have that like rush and knots in the stomach feeling of like, Oh my god, this is the first time I'm getting up in front yeah. of a group of people. For many people who try stand up, it is yeah. at an open mic. Um,
0: what kind of performing you used to do? Do you used to do theater,
1: improv, sketch. Oh, I did yeah. I touched everything but stand up. I huh. even I was a dancer, um, cheerleader, not that that's performative. Yeah. That's trash. It kind of is, though. It's, it's trash. But it kind of is. So. It's trash. I always say there's two types of women in the world. The women who audition for the cheerleading squad and the women who audition for the dance team. Oh, that's
0: so mean. Though. I did both
1: and made them humble brag, but I quit cheerleading, which speaks volumes. <laughs> uh, no, I'm kidding. Um, so from, it's, um, So for me, like, the open mics didn't have that feeling of, like, this is my first performance and, oh, shit, I don't know what to do on stage. I think I always knew what to do on stage in a general sense. But, yes, you're performing for other comedians. Yeah. Very rarely are you performing for actual comedy fans or comedy Mm showgoers or people who don't know the process so they can still appreciate it. I think once you know the process behind something, you can't appreciate it as much. Not appreciate it, but you can't enjoy it as much, you know, like the mystique is gone and the magic is gone. Um, And also too, open mics for me aren't performances because as an art form for stand-up, like your creation process requires an audience in a way that like an artist Mm -hmm. is not an artist, just paints and then puts it on display and sees if people gravitate towards it Mm -hmm. and find it beautiful. Um, a musician writes a song and maybe privately shares it with a couple people and then once they say this is good then they bring it to a stage a comedian, our rehearsal, writing creation, editing process has to happen with a live, warm blooded crowd of people
0: can you go into that a bit more because i'm slightly familiar with just how different the process of comedy and the practice of it is just from like different podcasts and comedians i enjoy yeah but i think for a lot of people who might be into stand-up and might not know much about it they don't understand that it is a very specific type of process mm-hmm. can you kind of describe how it goes for you typically
1: yeah for me personally um and now it's like an alarm sounds in my head. <laughs> Which is more more a comment from my therapist than anybody else that I should tell. But no, an alarm sounds in my head when I feel like it's something I want to talk about on stage. Um, but, but also now too, in developing a comedy career, I can, I can think up a, a billion times a day of like, if I were to talk about that on stage, how would I do it? I could talk about this on stage. This mm-hmm. is wild and this just happened. I should try and talk to people about this. Um... It comes from anything that has impact for me or that I feel like I had digested or processed or would want to say. I write. That's what I do. Not a lot of comics physically. Everyone's got their own mantra and thing and that's awesome. I write. I try to like I write or I talk to myself,
0: <laughs> which is funny. Do you make, like, voice notes for yourself, too?
1: Oh, yeah. Or sometimes <laughs> I don't make voice notes. Like, my roommate's used to it and stuff. I just walk around, and she's like, are you talk?" She's workshopping a bit. Yeah, and I'm just, like, running through stuff. Um, and I, I've always been that kind of person. I, I talk to myself, like... I talk to myself just enough to be a comedian, but not enough to be committed to a psychological institution. <laughs> I found the fine line. That's pretty and, helpful. Yeah, there you go. Just so, so my fans and followers know. But <laughs> I do. I physically write. I just feel writing has always helped organize my mind. So, and I don't even know if I follow a structure. I just try to like spit it all out. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a good chunk of that, and then a good chunk of it is trying it out on an open mic. But when I try it out on an open mic, for me, if I can make the room of comedians laugh, huzzah. You know, gold star. It's you know, whatever. That's yeah. that's great. You made your peers laugh, um, but it's more so. I've got to say this out loud, and walk myself through it in the in theory, yeah. when it originates in writing, in technicality when I write it, and then in practice, like right now with a microphone, yeah. in front of a couple people, and like see how I would say it for the stage, and then it's and then it's just it's it's like writing it's like a, another draft another draft don't say this say that
0: that kinda reminds me of a lot of the work I've done in uh, T V and film production. Yeah. That's like stuff I've done like as day jobs, like working as a PA or like a designer and like something that's very interesting is that when we storyboard, it's like we're thinking about things that we really want to film and like it's always hyper specific. But then once you're actually on set, sometimes the storyboard shift between what's actually practical in filming and what's not. And I imagine mm-hmm. that's kinda similar where it's like you write something and you love it so much, and then you get in front of a crowd of people and go, like, Oh, actually saying this out loud isn't going to fit within what's going to get the message
1: what's going to yeah yeah 100 percent. and it's um you can every i believe that if you find something funny in day-to-day life it's funny if it tickles you and it makes you laugh or it's unusual to you it is but if you're going to be the kind of person whose entire job is based off producing comedy that anyone in the room no matter their demographic or their life background can enjoy Mm then it's, it's, you're putting it through more filters as opposed to just, well, I told my roommate and I made her laugh. Okay, so that's two filters you put it through. Yeah. You decided if you thought it was funny and someone close to you who loves you decided if they <laughs> thought it was funny. Now you have to be like, okay, does this entire room of people of different walks of life...
0: Well, what's really interesting with that is, like, uh, on our way here to record, we we're talking about uh, late night writing. And yeah. I kind of asked you if that's something you ever want to do. You kind of, like, I can, I hope you don't have anything. say. You kind of said like, no. No. I, yeah, I don't.
1: Know. Yeah.
0: And I guess one of the big reasons why is like it's essentially that where you have to pretty much write in form of committee in
1: Yeah, you do. And um, I wouldn't be a. Uh, I wouldn't.
0: You wouldn't say no. Okay. Oh, say me. no to
1: it. I don't <laughs> sure. think I'd be great at it. To be really honest, I think I like. Um, my comedy is highly personal. I like stand-up because it's existential, and it's, I'm going to tell my story, and if I excel as a stand-up comedian, I tell it in such a way that you benefit from it in some way, yep. be it you laugh or you learn something or both. Um, and I think a lot of TV writing also is based off of the news, and I personally am not a massively political or topical comedian. I only know how to talk about things that I've, I've felt on a billion levels.
0: Yeah. That's and that I can live through.
1: That, that I live through, yeah. Like again why I'm like, ah, I can't really I can't really talk about what it must be like to have siblings. I don't have siblings. So what you know. And a lot of late night writing requires writing jokes for other people. And that's hard as fuck. And yeah. that's it, that's respectable and to produce that kind of stuff every day. Um, especially
0: the everyday element, that's just mad.
1: Yeah, and also like, well, let's be frank, I'm egotistical and inattention whore, <laughs> and like I want I wanna tell the jokes. <laughs> I want to tell my jokes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, it's like, like I feel like I'm like banging my fists and having a tantrum. <laughs> I want to tell my jokes.
0: So you know, we met because of music and the musicians you'd work with. Yes. Um, a big part of your life was going to live shows, and you know, obviously me too. Like we R. I. P. Shows. R. R. Yeah. I. P. Yeah. Yeah. I guess we should provide. I mean, that's gonna be an intro. I guess we tell people like you used to be a music publicist, That was like a big part of your life. Dark
1: part of my life. Dark part of
0: your life. <laughs> the okay. dark years. You could say that. <laughs> But uh, you know, it's, I just uh, told
1: other people I was a dental hygienist. <laughs>
0: that's like, creepy. Yeah, you know it's <laughs> weird. Like, why do people choose to do that? Right. That's something I'm always stuck on.
1: Let me tell you something. If you think dental hygienists is creepy, I will tell you the things I used to do to find <laughs> someone's email as a publicist, and then you'll be like, never mind, that's okay, creepy. Okay, that
0: sounds creepy. Yeah. But uh, yeah. I guess the train of thought that I had just now, and I was thinking about this on my way here, knowing I was gonna talk to you. Yes. Is that you have a very interesting insight where. Your previous job was pretty much continuously watching people perform all the time. Mm-hmm. And I just wonder, like, with the fact that you perform now and performing now is such a big part of your life, do you feel you took anything away from working with musicians and watching how they perform? Like, is there anything you noticed within that process that you want to apply for yourself?
1: Totally. Uh, with all due respect to my, <laughs> to my former clients, I learned a lot about what not to do. <laughs> Uh, just in terms of producing and and performing and trying to monetize your own content. Um, I I learned a lot about... There are a lot of parallels in the business side of it and what you would do and what makes music good and when to release something and how to market it and how to build a brand. So I think a lot of that, I'm very fortunate to have that skill set now as my own entity and as a performer myself to be like oh how many shows is too many shows and which shows do I really promote and which shows do I bring people to and is this funny is this funny for the map all these different things that um, I I can be my own publicist now Um, and I I think I learned a lot about the creation process I think a lot of like the creative struggles that I was overhearing my clients have like from writer's block to people not responding to things um, to industry politics it is nice to have been like wait a minute this happened to other people like this you know they went through it as well and to kind of take from them yeah you know and and just how they they're like i wrote for years too and and it's not good and and it goes through a period of time when it's bad and then it gets really good again and then it's bad and all all that kind of stuff so yeah i learned a ton i will say i hated every second i can't believe i had a career where i watched other people perform so much Because it, it, and it wasn't like malice or jealousy, it was just like, really painful for me on an existential level when I would tell people I was a comedian, because I always felt I was, and I had the background in it. And they're like, oh, really? And then that's when I was like, that's so weird that so many people in my life don't know about the thing that I care about the most that I think I'm the most naturally good at. Yeah. That's like in my fabric as a human being. And then and towards the end of my PR career, it was, like, a little resentment. Like, I was like, oh, fuck you and your art. Like, I'm making my own a little bit. Well, do you, you know, know?
0: I, it's really interesting what you're describing because I feel like that's one of the weird dichotomies of having, like, a creative outlet and pursuit that means so much to you but you also have to wrestle with the realities of having like a quote-unquote regular job where it's like mm. that aspect of identity is obviously so much what your creative endeavor is, mm. but it's weird in which the context of people what people know you of.
1: yeah 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 and it's um I think it just it just uh, it was a red flag for me that I wasn't on I better get off this path now yeah or else I'm going to continue on it and it's going to be too late to get on the path I think I always knew I should be on.
0: Yeah, and there's something yeah. really empowering about what you just said because, like, you know, I think, I mean, I don't want to speak for the entire the human race generalizing, mm-hmm. but naturally generalize so we're able to, like, make a point. I do think a lot of people end up being in situations like that and they find themselves allowing it to continue. Yeah. There's something very empowering in, like, recognizing that there's a very... Particular take context in which people respond to you and then saying, no, I'm going to actually shift that. Like, it's a, it's a difficult thing to do. It
1: is yeah. a difficult thing to do. It took me a year and a half to fully exit PR, mostly because it was my main financial vessel in New York. So, I mean, a lot of that was just survival needs kicking in. And you don't realize how ingratiated you are in an industry until it's time to... Same thing like a relationship. Like, you don't realize how emotionally invested or attached you are until it's time to leave. And then you're like, oh, I have to yeah declaw from this especially when you have
0: mutual friends and family involved it's just like it's not as easy as just like we're not together anymore it should be but there's like other things to think about
1: other things to think about for sure um but for me it was like uh oh god it's so hallmark card to say (laughs) but but it's like it. it just was like liberating when i finally decided to do comedy because i think i was in this weird delusion where i was like I know I'm gonna be in front of people one day. I know I'm going to be famous one day. I know I'm gonna be known for good things and putting good things out there into the world and being an entertainer. Yeah. That's me at my core. But like for whatever reason, I lowered the volume on that person who was really me. Um Probably because I couldn't hear that person in my head because it was being drowned out by some indie rock band I was working for, <laughs> or SoundCloud rapper, or whatever. Some so
0: indie rock band pitching about like one of the myriad of thousands of things. Yeah, I can't believe players.
1: we're not on NPR.
0: Why does it pitch for it right back we to
1: us? So. Oh, i <laughs> like, dude, I can't believe I'm not on NPR. <laughs> Let's get real. Like, uh,
0: why don't we have a Levi's sponsorship? Yeah,
1: I just, I just don't understand. Imagine Dragons is headlining Madison Square Garden. Do they need an opener? Yeah, not you. Not you. Yeah. <laughs> Um, they, they do, but it's not going to be you. Um,
0: so it was... <laughs> <laughs> we know way too many bands who actually conversations m- like this.
1: Yeah, I do. I just, uh, okay. I've offered musicians, it's funny, not, like, I've offered musicians stage time because I have cat call and I produce those all-female concerts and... Fun events
0: and stuff. Which I'm definitely going to ask you about.
1: Yes, yay, we will. (laughs) Stay tuned, listeners. Um, (laughs) But I I had musicians recently turn down stage time, and I'm like, that's so funny, because now as a comedian, you're like, oh, I have to travel four and a half hours just for three and a half minutes on stage in the back of an Irish
0: pub. I'm really glad you brought this up. because I think That transitions (laughs) nicely to what I want to bring up next. Because one of the things that amazes me about the New York comedy scene and how it's unlike anywhere else in the world mm-hmm. is the fact that you can perform so many sets in one night. Like most oh, yeah. musicians perform between like what between like three five six sets even? Right? Yeah
1: like. uh, I've done I've done five a night so far. Yeah
0: and I think something that's very very underscored and amazing is like how it's not just a matter of like you can do this it's a matter of like you have to do this to succeed like you have to do this to get ahead you have to do this to yeah. like make a name for yourself. So can you tell me like <laughs> Like, how have you been finding doing that? Because it's one thing to, like, embrace that and to love it, but it is a very particular lifestyle that most people don't have a window. Into.
1: I think that's why we're all, like, miserable stand-ups.
0: Like, because
1: we're, like, <laughs> we're like, I can't talk, I have to go to my next part. Oh! Like, oh, you know, and uh, it's, I mean, I've I've become, like, more of a homebody as I've gotten older, which is, I, like, I had my going-out years when I was in the music industry, Um So I don't like it. There's nights when I'm like, God, I just wish I were home. But there is something that once you honestly, once you allow yourself to be swallowed in that hustle, then you're just in it. And I, it also too, even just upwards of last year, when I was still kind of on and off in PR, it was really hard to have a proper job or even like have a proper like temp job that I like rightfully got fired from. Um, because you got fired from a temp job. Yeah. Your high five. That's Thank you. Awesome it's pretty great. awesome. I what know. What was it? it? I can't say details, <laughs> but um, it was like a freelance team for a big company, and I'm like, I like low key was fired. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they were like, "Don't call us, we'll call you." I was like, "Cool, see you never." Um, and but it was because like un- unlike everybody else on the team, like I was trying to build my own career, and it's a career that requires like getting up five six times a night, going to mics when you're not yeah. there. It requires fraternizing with the comics. You don't go on stage till one a.m. And I was strolling in late and leaving early, and I was tired and I was whatever. And then I just realized like, okay, I just can't do this, you know. So um, this is the first year now, and I've only been back in New York for like three weeks that i've now the pr's out and i'm i have a temp job now that's very flexible with my schedule they're awesome but um i can do that so now i'm in it it's not it's 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 really bad i don't recommend it a (laughs) a doctor would never recommend this lifestyle by any means but once you're in it and you're doing it it's kind of like once you move it's kind of like when you haven't slept in a couple days and you just keep going and you're like well i'm awake now like um
0: But I guess that's another thing that makes just the general scene in regards to other comedians you interact with what makes it such a special thing because like and I have found this with like music and T V and film is that like the lifestyle is so specific, it makes you appreciate the people around you so much because they're like the only ones who understand.
1: Are the only ones who understand. Yeah. Yeah. And actors understand too. And and people and and like musicians understand to some extent as well. I do think. And I am biased, and I'm sorry, musicians. But I think, <laughs> in, I think, in terms of like building a career and making it in the state, I it, it's kind of a cakewalk in comparison to what comedians do. <laughs>
0: Yo, Maybe talk to
1: me in a year when the bitterness from the music industry scaven. isn't still there. I, I said it. I said it. Ariana Grande. I said it. She's <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, <laughs> It, and like listen like they have a talent i connect like the farthest i've gone with playing an instrument is a recorder <laughs> and i i i could high bear five to
0: being on the fourth grade
1: yeah high five and high five to playing hot cross buns that one song ever oh we definitely
0: play that yeah
1: it's like three notes that like like you know someone with no hands could figure out how to play <laughs> um so like that and that's incredible like i can't hold a tune i can't play an instrument that's so awesome if you have those talents <laughs> And I know you pour everything into your creation process, but I dare you to get on stage without singing a note or without an instrument and with your own God-given brain and personality and mouth entertain a room of 200 drunk people, I dare you.
0: I mean, honestly, I mean, now is as goodest time as any because, you know, a big constant debate that's happening in regards to comedy now, when you think about it, it's that element of like freedom of speech and like, you know. Yeah about what can be said, what can't be said. And um, something that's interesting is just kind of like how, I mean, personally to me, in almost like quite an unsuspecting manner, how it's kind of very much divided comedians in some ways. Cause you have some comedians who kind of fall into that in regards to like, oh, this is how the world's changing. And this is like kind of what we have to react to. And then you have another kind of sect of comedians who go like in comedy, nothing is on, off limits. Everything can be said. And yeah. every type of different uh, viewpoints and like paths can be explored. How do you feel about that? I mean, how do you feel about the element that anything could be a joke? Is that something you agree with? Or? Anything
1: can be a joke.
0: Yeah.
1: You... Let me rephrase that. Take two.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Take two.
1: You can joke about anything. I think even if you gave me the most gruesome prompt in the world, but you were like, write a joke. Yeah. I could be like, all right, I wrote a joke about a school shooting I wrote a joke about I, had, I did not I don't talk about that <laughs> on stage my god no this but is hypothetical it's
0: hypothetical. This is hypothetical
1: but like anything you have to know there's risk levels to jokes and you've got to know and that's obviously an extreme horrific inhumane example
0: Yeah.
1: <coughs> Louis C.K. Um, but you just know that it's assess the risk level and Certain things are going to polarize a room, and it depends. Like I talk about feminism and gender equality, and sometimes I played. I played a very conservative, closed minded room in San Antonio, and for that room, feminism was a risky joke.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, for that room, talking about LGBT, LGBTQ rights was a risky joke and a risky topic and things yeah. like that. Um, it's, so you can joke about anything. But as a comedian, if you're gonna get on stage and grab that mic and talk about it, you've gotta be ready for whatever comes. Your, you have to own. You have to own your shit. Like, okay, you get 10 minutes, dude. Sure. And if you want to talk about those things, you have. It's free speech. It's comedy. You know. But is that what you want to attach to? You as a comedian. Is that what you know? Like, I could joke about it. I don't want. I could. If you were like, yeah, write write a joke about a about a school bombing or write a joke about whatever. I'm like. I could sit down and, I, I guess, if I had to, like, force my brain into a yeah. setup and punchline. But would I be inclined to produce comedy about that? No.
0: Does that make any sense? It does. I kinda, it,
1: like, yeah.
0: No, it completely does. And I kind of want to go a bit further because, like... Yeah. And it's interesting what you said in regards to the San Antonio thing. Because that's one of those things where I think people who are more in regards to the, like, you can make a joke about anything. Yeah. They would even have thought of that being a contextual experience to happen until it's, like presented to them
1: yes yeah and it it
0: does sit on even keel what I'm also interested in exploring is in regards to what you just said about the aspect about like you know essentially you can say whatever you want but you can't control people's reactions in a lot of ways yes when you think about that I'm trying to think I want to phrase this because this is actually something I've been thinking about for a while now and I feel like it's very particular in regards to what you do as a comedian Mm -hmm. I feel like when you buy a ticket to go to a comedy club there should be an element of understanding that you're in a comedy club and you're about to experience comedy, and the specifics of like comedy as a function is here to make you laugh. Yeah. I feel like when people find themselves offended by comedy, it's almost like an omission of that understanding and that context. Yeah. So, so within that regard, in regards to like what you said about how you can't really control how people react and stuff like that, mm-hmm. how does that make you feel? Like, do you feel like sometimes people are almost like? willfully taking the context out of comedy or
1: yeah they are like let me tell you something those people that get offended are not people I'd put on a short list for a party I'm throwing like <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I'm going be like You're a good time man Like you know And it's like And I perform at comedy clubs Where I see people sitting In the front row And they look like They're having the most Miserable time of their life And I'm like Did you Did someone lure you here Under a false pretense I don't It's very strange It's It's the same I I theorize It's the same level Of ignorance You experience Day to day With people Like for a lot of people Like a, a A lesbian couple Is like Whoa Radical for them And like We are all reflections Of our own upbringings And opinions and, oh. and our own palates and stuff. So, I think for those people, they forget that when you go to a comedy show, you're going to hear words you don't want to hear sometimes, or hear words you haven't heard before, or yeah. hear things, um, and they don't I, they don't appreciate they ha- they have their own sense. It's really a lack of a sense of humor. Like, if you break that and deconstruct that phrase down. A sense of what is humorous. You would
0: agree with that, then? Because I feel that way, too. Yes, oh, totally, yeah.
1: Yes, no, I'm I'm completely on board. And about, like, the context, I'm like, every joke is subtext.
0: That's the thing that gets me, or it's like, I mean... Uh, there's this comedian that I find hilarious he does a bunch of podcasts Andrew Schultz and oh was, yeah yeah and he was like pretty much breaking down the element of comedy on a podcast of his and he was saying that's what's really weird in 2018 and 19 now that we're 19 he was saying how it's strange that like people think anything that's said on a stage is an endorsement, where the aspect of comedy is that you're saying something that you don't really, for some people, it's not something you believe in.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is. Well, and it's like, I think we all believe the joking aspect of, like, and it's like all, yeah, yes, it's, it's like something too, like, it's like, if you're, and this is like the difference between, like, abusers and whatnot, like, if you're offended by something that's said on stage, I don't know how people... Abandon levity when it comes to comedy like they just like how you said they take it as law or they're yeah. like what i'm like you're at a comedy club they're, it's they're poking light at something that they know they shouldn't be or whatever or they're trying to like show another side to it um which you you should be far more concerned with what people are doing when they're not on stage
0: that's yeah exactly. like
1: that's the whole point um And it's also, it's in, like, the subtext in it, too. Like, I have a ton of jokes where just based on how I deliver them, I know for smarter audiences, (laughs) they can see that my subtext is, like, I know how ridiculous it is that I'm saying this, and I clearly don't believe it. I'm making fun of the people who do. Yeah. Kind of thing. not everyone's brain works like that. You know, not everyone. And it's, um, and just don't, I don't know. I could what? go on about that. Yeah, you can.
0: but tell me this then, like, because I guess what I find very intriguing about that, especially I hate considering... Those people, sorry. <laughs> 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 I guess what I find very intriguing, considering how long you've been co- doing comedy, is I would imagine this would be enough to steer someone away from doing it. But from to- for from how you're talking earlier and just like the tone in which you're speaking, mm-hmm. you clearly find so much excitement and feel kind of emboldened to tell your stories and to like make people laugh. Yeah. What do you think it is with that, considering the fact that you know? there is a bit of an uphill battle in that regard.
1: I think it's, it takes a really strong sense of self and understanding of self to be a stand-up comedian. And it's like, you're only really bombing if you care that you're bombing kind of thing. It <laughs> really, like, and it is, like, and you just kind of accept it as, like, I'm going to have nights where the whole room loves me. I'm going to have nights where the whole room doesn't. But I I believe in the things I'm bringing on stage Either I believe them because I went through them, or this is really how I see the world, or I really think this is funny. (laughs) I really think that I should make fun of this, because I I think it's funny or weird or stupid or whatever the case is, (laughs) that you'll never build a comedy career if you can't suspend that. (laughs) That giving a fuckery, like, you know, you can't, that you're never going to. Um, So and like, to your point too, like. I personally build comedy. My philosophy and my moral code with my comedy is if I experienced it and I went through it and I genuinely thought it, I will talk about it on stage. It's why I do not understand people who have other people write jokes for them in stand-up. Yeah. Like, what? I just don't get that. Like, I'm like, so anything I talk about on stage, there there is a kernel of truth to it at the very, very least. Yeah. If not, I I talk about myself, my upbringing, my experiences, my honest musings about being a millennial, about being an only child, about being Italian, about uh, traces of sexism that I see, about, uh, I have material about domestic violence, I have material about sexual assault. These are all things that if someone came up to me afterwards and was like, hey, like guns blazing after a show, I could be like, fuck you. Like, I went through all of that. That material is me. If this isn't you're offended, then that must mean that you just don't like me, and that's okay. There's plenty of people that don't. That's fine. You don't need to. Like no. that's it. You know. But yeah, I did say that on stage. Why? Because I went through it. So I have the hundred percent agency to talk about that on stage. You have the hundred percent agency as an audience member to be like, I don't like this bitch. <laughs> and then you don't need to come to another show. And then that's it. Like oh. so. And that's hard because you want to so desperately be known as funny, but you do kind of.
0: Yeah, you put yourself at the mercy of the fact that people can react. Like yeah, we were just
1: like any other, it's just a more extreme. If people can go see a band and go, I really like this band, yeah. and I, I don't, you know, and it's just a little. There's a little more levity to it than a comedian when it's like, I don't like this comedian. <laughs> then it's immediate, you know. You can't be like, they don't like me. They really, really don't like me. You know. Uh. You know?
0: Yeah, you know, ever since we're, we've been talking, I've been dying to ask you this because it's something I feel getting your perspective as a working comedian, I think it'd be very interesting, but mm-hmm. what did you find yourself thinking of, of uh, Hannah Gadsby's uh, Nanette special?
1: I thought it was brilliant. Yeah. Uh, I think her style of comedy and is, is kind of the future of stand-up. Like, if you think back to even um, Richard Pryor not even uh, Richard Pryor, George Carlin. Yes, of course, but also even like Jerry Seinfeld. I think it was a lot more joke-based yeah. comedy back then and observational comedy and like how often did you see comics like Jerry Seinfeld really get super super personal yeah. on stage? Like they oh, there was always like a distance from them and their art, so to speak. And um, I don't know how often. I I'm, I'm mostly familiar with Jerry's material. I could be wrong. If yeah. Feel free to correct me, but like I don't know how often he got into heavier subjects. You know, he was kind of just like, "What's the deal with Hair clips yeah. ah, or yeah, whatever, yeah, you know. And Richard yeah.
0: Pryor got personal, but he didn't start. Like it took a while for him to get there.
1: Yes, uh, yeah. As yeah. it as I, well, I think that's a normal evolution for comics. But correct. Yeah, I also know a lot of joke comics that I have great friends that are great joke writers, and but it's never, you never learn one real thing about them on stage. Yeah. You know, but they'll they'll write jokes about like buses and birds and and they're great funny quippy jokes but it's like I don't it's know it's not really it's,
0: saying anything it's not
1: really saying anything um, and I don't think you get to know who they really are that's yeah. not how I do it I think she's brilliant Hannah Gatsby, because I think that's the direction it's really more a one-woman show
0: yeah
1: um, and it's Chris Rock had said this. It's like sometimes he's like, laughter's great, obviously, in a comedy show. Like, you're supposed to get a laugh every 10 seconds or something as a comic. But he was like, I really like it when I get laugh. Then I get boo. And then I get... <gasps> yeah. And then I get, get out of here. Like, he's like, that's, that's really what you're trying to achieve. Yeah. And, like, you do start to embrace that as a comic. Like, you're like, okay, the joke comic might have someone laughing every four seconds, but you as the more conceptual comic will leave them with something to think about when they leave your show which i think is more rewarding i
0: think nice yeah. you know i i uh that kind of reminds me about like one, one of my favorite comedians of all time who's not around anymore, patrice o'neill yeah uh, yeah so, so good yeah one of my mm-hmm. favorite human beings uh he has a thing where he would when he was alive he would say that his favorite thing doing, when he's doing stand-up, is when there's quiet in the room, when there's, like, just a little mm-hmm. bit of uncomfortableness, mm-hmm. because then he knows that people are reacting even if they're not laugh- laughing. You,
1: you've got them, yeah. And it's also, there's different, like, it's like, there's, there's, someone made a comparison. <laughs> like, uh, there's uh, people who go to a comedy show and they're enjoying it, but they don't laugh.
0: Yeah. And then so
1: I, I had a friend on stage where she was like, are you having fun? was <laughs> <She's laughs> like, in the crowd? And they were like, yeah. She's like, you're not laughing and then he's like but it's funny and then she goes when when you come are you silent like, <laughs> like but it was like crude and crass but it was so funny and it was like she's like there are you silent like do you not um but that's like even on some nights and that's if you're very present as a comic which takes a while to achieve to yeah. kind of be so comfortable with your own ability that you're like i got this and you're really like Patrice like oh I heard a pin drop in the back of the room. Yeah. That's how in tune with it I was. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes they're not laughing but you'll look out mm-hmm. and they're looking, they're with you yeah, and yeah. like that's almost better than a laugh.
0: It kind of is. It kind
1: of is because then you'll walk off and if you listen to your tape you're like my bombs <laughs> but then the people will come up to you and be like you were great, you were funny, This yeah. one, that was great and you're like huh you know so it starts to Yes, to that point, Patri- I see what Patrice is saying. Yeah. And I yeah. think you're
0: also very right in regards to Hannah Gatsby because what's interesting to me is that I personally love when um, comedians can be offensive and when they I love the element of a comedian saying something that they're not supposed to be saying. But what really huh. intrigued me with Hannah Gatsby in regards to what you said too about her being the future is like it really blew me away that someone could be so personal without putting offense where it's like it made me realize that people who argue about the freedom of speech element Mm. they and I imagine you might feel this way a Mm -hmm. little bit there's some comics who utilize that as a bit of a crutch yeah like that utilize the fact that I'm going to say something offensive and just by the nature of doing that that's going to be funny where with her it's so personal the fact that it's able to be personal like that and funny to me it's like it just shows that it could be possible
1: it is possible yeah and I yes and it's um it goes back to the whole point of like having the agency to talk about something like it, her comedy was so personal because it was her honest musings and experience and she had every right granted to her to talk about that and to produce material about those things cuz you knew it was coming from like a these are all things i really went through these are all things that are truly the fabric of who i am yeah. so i can say them even if they're polarizing the second we lose that ability like comedians yes like we have to say the shit no one else says. Like, that's how it's relatable. That's how we make a lasting impact. The shit people are scared to say. Yeah. Like, yes, you are an accountant and you work a nine-to-five job, so maybe you can't talk about this, but I've chosen a profession where I am on a public platform with a microphone. So let me say it for you. Like, let, yeah. me, let me digest it and say it for you. To your point,
0: Yeah.
1: I love smart comedy. I love comedy that ages well
0: yeah and And not all all does and
1: not all does and if you're gonna say it just for the sake of I'll tell a rape joke because it's rape or I'm gonna tell a joke about dead babies because dead babies or whatever and I've seen it (laughs) I've seen all of it it's not gonna age well it's gonna die along with your career subsequently as well but um it's it's to that I uh, I think there's integrity to Hannah Gadsby and that's why it's so personal and that's why it works um but the audiences are dumb but they're smart like they I think they know when you're a hack when you're when yep. you're trying to yeah you know I think they know when you're saying it just cause like <laughs> you're trying to get a so rise reaction, yeah right. and then they know when like this is really this is real this girl really believes this or really yeah. you know um, and, and that annoys me I mean I see a bunch of female comics so a lot of like and then he put his dick in my ear. <laughs> but like, I mean, <laughs> I've heard it. I don't talk about that, but like I've heard it and I'm like "What
0: well, dudes are putting dicks in ears. Is that,
1: well A, okay, first I was like, A, on an anatomical level. Girl, do not let him do that. <laughs> it just no. It's some not all some things are meant to be broken and some things are not <laughs> meant to be penetrated. And B, I'm like, no, he didn't.
0: No, he didn't. Yeah. Like,
1: come on. And like you're just saying that because it's it's so in your face. Dicks. Drugs. Dicks. dicks. Bombs. Bah, bah. And it's like, all right. No. You know. Um, it's good. You know, try to be a cut above a little bit. Uh,
0: before I let you go, um, talk yeah. to me about the organization you head up, Call. You mentioned it earlier. Yeah. I really wanted to ask you about it. So please, oh you have the floor. Oh my
1: gosh. It. My little baby, call It's a bunch of women and we get together every month and we menstruate together. It's group menstruation. No, it's not. Um, it's, uh, no, it's a network, nonprofit. Um, I started it. We're basically event curation. So we curate and produce two to three events each month um, that spotlight female talent mm-hmm. and uplift the female voice in all of its glory and all of its struggles. So we do all-female concerts, all-female comedy shows, um, all-female spoken word. Men are 100% allowed to come to it. We're very we're gender inclusive um feminism requires men and you know it's it's a two-way street um but it's great and it's growing and um we partnered with like so far sounds and sass class and we have like deep eddie vodka fueling like booze at all of our events and bowery poetry we partnered with um we're about to do vision boards and self-defense classes for women and all these different kinds. Book, book readings and stuff. So, it's cool. I um I love men so much, but I love women so much too, and I just love being a woman. And I do think with less woke men in our society,
0: <laughs>
1: we I'd like creating opportunities for women to be their true self. Much like in the way that I ha- I'm afforded that privilege with stand up. So, if I could produce these events and give women yeah a night to either have fun the receiving end and forget about whatever adversity they're facing or whatever they're worried about, but also on the contrary, give female artists of many different mediums a chance to like, this is my night to talk about and do the thing I want to do. I want to do that. So. Well,
0: I think what's really beautiful about everything you just said is that when I think about the element of safe spaces. And how, obviously, the functionality of space, safe spaces, is something that's existed for a long time. But having that word within like our um, public and societal lexicon, mm-hmm. it's a relatively new thing to the extent where I feel like so many people don't recognize the value of what a safe space would be mm. until they experience it. So I imagine in regards yeah. to call, you must have had experiences where some female comics or even fem- women attending probably didn't think uh, this is something they were gonna love, and then they go and they're like almost realize like, wow, this I'm allowed to be a side of myself. I'm usually not allowed to be.
1: Usually not to be, yeah. And it's it's unfortunate that there's a a lot of men and women and just people in general that I think anything that you're born with that people use against you or think as a sign of weakness, any kind of prejudice, of course, is awful and terrible. So. I've experienced it as a woman where I know I'm being, I'm going through this experience because I'm a woman or I'm being treated this way because I'm a woman. And, and I really and truly do think we're all equal and we all can bring all the same things to the table as long as we're talented and work hard enough. Yeah. So I just wanted to, this is the, vo- this is the voice. I, I love being, a lo- I love being a girl. Are you kidding? I, <laughs> I think it's great. Like even all this, I just love being a girl no matter, even if I could be a guy's girl and I'm a tomboy at times, I love Being a woman, all the absurdity that goes with it, all the fun, all the glamour, all of it. So, yeah, it's a safe space. Yeah, just like, well, this is a place where you can be you and talk about the things you want to be. And this is the one, maybe part of your day where being a woman won't be a hindrance to you in a sense. That's beautiful. And making women look badass, so guys who don't get it get it. <laughs>
0: exactly. you know? Yeah.
1: So it's cat call. Everyone. Yeah. Everyone's welcome. Everyone. The whole world is a member of cat call <laughs> if they want to be. Yeah. Uh,
0: I would say plug some dates, but more likely not. This is gonna go up probably two weeks from now. So unless there's like dates you want to plug. Two weeks, weeks. weeks in the
1: future. Yeah. Um <laughs> Stay tuned, everybody, um, for a great twenty nineteen. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. We have events booked through March, but the dates escape me. But at we are catcall, excuse yeah. me, on all socials, and everything is there.
0: Yeah, and M- if anyone wants to find you, it's Brittany Brave everywhere, pretty much. Britney Brave. Yeah.
1: Yes, I'm not... I have the best, worst last name in the game. Yes.
0: I always... You know what? I was talking... Who was I talking to about this? I was talking to uh, MJ. MJ Rolls about this. I a love him. Of, so, he's he's the, the, best. the best. He's the best. He's also... And, like, we had a talk, and we were just like, is that her last name? Yes. <laughs> like, actually, I was like, I just don't know. Because it's like, that would be the best stage it's a great stage it dream. is a great stage name or it's like, like
1: actual last name. it's my actual last name
0: wow yeah the fuck that? i,
1: I wow. live my life and this is no like flak you or mj for asking it's a very valid question i met someone with the last name winner the other day and i was like oh god i'm one of those people i was <laughs> like i was like is your last name really winner and like because you never because of social media like anybody could have this exactly. persona or whatever yeah. yeah no totally but i do feel like i live life with people, I just field a series of questions: Up, is that your real last name? <laughs> How tall are you? How are you that tall? I can't believe you're that tall. Are those your real eyes? Are you real? I go. What part of me? Do you think I'm an avatar? I don't. That's <laughs> my last name. Yeah. It's a cool last name.
0: And on that note, Brittany, thanks so much for today.
1: Oh, thank you for having me. I've, nice. I just, I screamed fuck so many times and it echoed through this beautiful library. <laughs> I'm so sorry to everyone. We should also, Yeah,
0: we're in the library <laughs> now. We should probably bring up, there was like maybe two times where workers walked by kind of befuddled. Yeah. like, what are they doing? They're talking and it's like a library. Yeah,
1: this guy was like, he was motioning like quiet down and I was like, oh, it's only going to get revved up from here. I love the fact here. that he was
0: doing that to you, but not me. That's what's that makes funny. sense. I'm a loud <laughs> bitch.
1: I, I should be good
0: to see women. <laughs> it's because I'm a woman. So
1: it's fine. Just want to hear me talk.
0: Oh, uh, thanks so I'm much kidding. for it. Right
1: Thank you.